0: Good morning, friends. We're in a new sermon series, but before we get to that, Dirk, we put the lyrics up, uh, the bridge on the oceans. The bridge. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Dirk. So I love these lyrics, And, and they just happen to go directly with our conversation this morning from Genesis chapter 37. Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. And you know, we're we're jumping into a sermon series about Joseph's life, And, and I think if you know the story of Joseph, you know it's a story about a man who was pushed outside of his borders. Let me walk upon the waters, that next line, wherever you lead me take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. I mean, this, these, this concept that each one of us has a personal calling from God to be the church every day. I'm going to ask as we go through this new sermon series, Dirk, that's all I need from there. As we go through this uh, new sermon series about Dare to Dream, I I really ask that as you uh, go home this evening, every morning as you wake up, and evening as you pray, that it'll be a prayer about what God's dream is for your life. His calling for you personally. That's what we're going to look at in this new sermon series called Dare to Dream. It's a story about... Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to begin. And it begins with these words in verse 2. This is the account of Jacob. Now Joseph was a young man of 17 years old. He was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about him. Now Israel or Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and it stood upright and while your sheaves, they bowed down and gathered around mine. His brother said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you exactly, actually intend to reign and rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and because of what he said. And his brother had another dream. And of course he told it to his brothers. Listen, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well, as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream? Your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful to be gathered around your table Celebrating your amazing grace, your love, and the justice that you desire. We think, Lord, about how you speak to us boldly through your word. And I pray, I pray Lord, that, that you will do just that. That you'll allow your word to permeate our hearts and our minds. So that, it, that it will guide and lead our steps. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I look around this morning and realize that I'm telling this story of Joseph to many of you who've taught the story of Joseph. And y'all know how the story ends. And that causes some issues because sometimes we know how it ends and we know the moral of the story, but we sometimes we get we get lost in that. And we don't see the pieces of the puzzle as it all comes together. And so this, this morning, I'm going to ask you to kind of slow down, and let's look at this story in sections. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to look at each of the elements of the story and how it grows from the foundation of Joseph's calling. Now there's a lot in this passage, Right? You got Joseph the snitch. I mean, I I wanted to say so much about this. I mean, when you saw the dream of 11 stars and you have 11 brothers, could you maybe say there were eight stars? You know, did you have to make it so? I mean, didn't you learn? I mean, there's so much we could say about that. We could talk about Joseph in a super cool jacket. We could talk about daddy's favorite what I really want to do this morning is instead look at the purpose of the passage. It starts oddly, does it not? In verse 2 it says this is the account of Jacob of Israel. But it's not the account of Jacob. It's not the account of Israel, right? I mean, isn't this a story of Joseph? Ah, that's what we got to look at. This is actually a story about how God secures a covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You see, it's all a matter of perspective, right? I mean, the story of Lonsdale Christian Church, which is now called Cornerstone Christian Church, is really a story of God's kingdom work in the city. And the truth of the matter is, God is going to work God is going to move whether we want to be part of it or not. God laid the plans. God is the big story. And we just get to be small characters in that story. So this morning we're going to talk about these dreams and what it means for the people of Israel and what it means for you and me you want to follow along your notes I have just a few thoughts to ponder as we walk through this passage the first one is this everyone has a place in the story everyone has a place in the story I don't know why God chose Joseph as the savior of this story he's not a very good brother he was hated by his brothers Joseph was the youngest of the brothers. You would think the savior of the story would be the oldest, the brightest, the smartest, the, the most loved of the family. But it wasn't. It was the, the prideful daddy's boy, right? J, Joseph maybe could have kept the dreams to himself. They obviously weren't a good standing with, this, with his family, But this does obviously go along with the biblical theme that God doesn't always choose the smartest, the strongest, the oldest, or even the most obvious of choices. I often think about Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. In this passage, Paul kind of gets a little braggy. He says, if anyone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have even more than you. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, he says. As for zeal, Paul was persecuting the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, Paul calls himself faultless. And if I could pause right there and say, when jesus was gathering around his disciples and he was calling disciples why did he skip over paul paul says but for whatever was whatever were gains to me i now consider a loss for the sake of christ paul didn't choose the pharisee paul didn't choose the righteous he chose fishermen He chose tax collectors. He chose sinners. Because everyone has a place in the story. What actually is interesting is Paul's religion kind of got in the way of his calling of God. He was so focused on himself that he couldn't see the kingdom of God come right before his very eyes. And because of that, what did Jesus have to do? He removed his eyesight so Paul could actually see. Everyone has a place in the story. Maybe you don't have the credentials of Paul. Maybe you've got the credentials that are a little bit closer to the tax collector. Everyone has a place in the story. And God chose Joseph. I don't think he was ready. Just like Paul wasn't ready, right? And I think that brings us to our second thought, that we are a a work in progress. Some of us, it's a big job, right? Some of us, it's kind of a big job. Joseph was a... 17 years old, the passage portrays him as a prideful and hateful young man snitching on his brothers, touting his father's robe, sharing a dream that showed his brothers and his parents bowing to him. It definitely doesn't portrays a leader who God has chosen to secure the covenant made with Abraham. And what we'll see throughout this sermon series is that the Joseph of chapter 37 is very different from the Joseph of chapter 45. God will have to work out the pride. But what we'll see in the next few weeks is that Joseph, even then, was being used by God. I believe this truth that Paul gives in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But I also believe he who is working on you can use you today. Take Peter, for example, right? In Mark chapter 16, Peter makes this great confession about who Jesus is. He said, when Jesus asked, who do do you say I am? Peter spoke up boldly and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus rightly praises Peter for his response. He says, upon that rock, I'm going to build the church. Amen? And all you have to do is look two more verses, two more verses in Mark 16, and Jesus is calling Peter Satan. Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to die on the cross. Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter is a good example that we're a work in progress. And if you remember, it was the same Peter, who is that work of progress, who stepped out on the water, walked. On the water. I found these lyrics to a song called God's Not Finished With Me Yet. It goes, he's working on my feet so they will walk straight. He's working on my heart to keep it pure. He's holding my hand so he can lead me and teach me to endure. And when the going gets tough, I get frustrated. I start to forget. God's not finished with me yet. And Joseph had a ways to go, but so do I. And even in in the process of being worked on, God can use me today. Now, there's one final thought that I want to share that that really, it goes along with this, that I think it's important to understand in our individual uh, culture, the way that we Uh, individualize everything in the Bible, we also need to remember that there are things that are firmly decided by God. There there are pieces of the puzzle that have been firmly decided by God. And those pieces of the puzzle are the most important. And that's why as we look through Joseph's life, we're not going to look through Joseph's life as just Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph's life in the picture of God's plan for Israel. We're going to look at Joseph's life under the covenant of Abraham. Those are the things that are firmly decided by God. Notice the brothers hate Joseph. I mean, how many times does the passage tell us that they hated him? And then at the end, when Joseph tells a story about the sun and moon and exactly 11 stars were bowing before him they hated him even more but but Jacob but Israel kept these matters in mind there were two dreams and the reason that Joseph was given two dreams is because the matter was firmly established by God how do I know this flip over to Genesis 41:32 Joseph teaches Pharaoh something about dreams and about calling. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. By the time chapter 41 rolls around, Joseph understands to take matters seriously that have been firmly decided by God. And there is something much bigger taking place. It's bigger than Joseph. It's bigger than the brothers. It's bigger than Israel. And it's certainly bigger than Pharaoh. It is this covenant relationship that God has set in motion with Israel. And Joseph's role in the story of Israel is to secure that promise in the middle of a famine. We've taken a lot of time to talk this morning about personal calling, that everyone has a place in the story, that we are individually a work in progress, but your role in the kingdom of God is important under this concept. The kingdom of God is moving. It is firmly established here on earth, whether you do anything or not. Whether you join this movement or not, God's kingdom is firmly established here on earth. But please do not miss out on your chance to be part of the excitement of God's redemptive work in this world. That work doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Wednesday. Austin uh, led us in a story about uh, Jacob and Esau. It's kind of a, a funny story, to be honest with you. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, gave birth to twins. Esau was born first, but Jacob was hanging on by Esau's heel when he was born. God told Isaac and Rebekah the older will serve the younger. The matter was already firmly established by God. But then we see this scene in Genesis 25 when Jacob is trying to trick Esau into selling his birthright. It's comical because none of it matters. He doesn't have to sell his birthright. Jacob's going to carry the covenant that's already been established by God. Listen. Listen. The kingdom of God is here. And God wants you to be part of it. He wants you to listen, to find where your role in the kingdom is going to be. But the overarching kingdom, it's firmly established with or without you. You get the, the joy of being part of it. The death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ speaks to a story that is much greater than our personal salvation. Through his selfless and powerful act, Jesus establishes the kingdom of God in this world. Your calling, therefore, is not just a personal decision that secures your place in heaven. Your calling is to be discipled and to make disciples. God's redemptive work did not end at your baptism. It began. We're going to prepare our hearts this morning for a time of communion. And the bread that we eat and the juice that we drink remind us of the sacrifice that was made for the whole world, not just for us. We're reminded of the power God gives us to do his work here on earth. And Mary Ellen, she chose this uh, song, You Raise Me Up. And she's going to play this song as we gather to the few corners here and grab our cup and the the juice. And as she plays that, be thinking about the words of this song, uh, which will be up on the screen. You raise me up so that I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I'm on your shoulder. You raise me up to more than I can be. Let's pray. Father, I think often about how I I really don't deserve the calling that you've given. Such an insignificant piece of the puzzle sometimes is how I feel. But then you remind me that it's not about me. That it's about your kingdom. You remind me, Father, that your calling upon each one of us is about something much greater. And that even when I'm weak, you give me the power to survive and to thrive in this world. Lord, thank you so much for your death, your resurrection, and ascension that reminds us that you are in control, that you have the power, and that, Father, you're the best. We pray these things in Jesus' name.